as students of your word, uh, coming to learn, to be instructed, to be, to be taught, Father, from your spirit uh, through the power of your word. And so, Father, we thank you that you will teach, you will instruct, you will show and reveal yourself, yourself through your word. And, we, Father, we lean to your spirit to obtain this information, to obtain this revelation, Father. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we'll, we'll open up our Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 3. We'll continue there today. So uh, we got down to, uh, really to verse 19, where Paul had talked about, started this conversation in um, verse 18, where he said, For many walk, of whom I told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. And he said, these people, many of these people, uh, whoever these people are, there's many of them, he said, whose end is destruction. And so uh, he's telling us that these people, for whatever reason, have uh, uh, not just kind of backslidden in what we would think is traditional backsliding. Because when I, when I think of somebody backsliding, I think of somebody that, you know, maybe got mad at, at God or maybe was mistreated in the church or was, you know, harmed in a ministry or something and just kind of left church or, you know, but a lot, a lot of people that have left church still love the Lord. They just, you know, they don't know what to do. A lot of times they don't know what to do. And, uh, and, um, uh, and so, uh, you know, they'll still watch uh, Christian TV. And, but, you know, in a traditional sense, we would call them backslidden because they don't want to go to church. They don't want to pray. They don't want to give to the Lord or give time to the Lord or anything to the Lord. And, and um, uh, I'm not trying to uh, pick on anybody who's watching this and not going to church. Uh, but um, uh, the, that's not what Paul is talking about here. Paul is talking about people that have not just, you know, quit going to church, but people have left the Lord Jesus himself and have arrived at what we talked, we spent a lot of time talking about the sin of the death where it's a sin of the spiritual death that they, they will lose uh, the opportunity to go to heaven when they die because of the choices they made. And really, uh, once a Christian arrives at that point in time, there's really nothing that can be done uh, because, remember, uh, John said, uh, do not pray for this person. So once somebody's arrived at that place, and, you know, we looked at the qualifications for that in Hebrews chapter 6, and they're high qualifications, right? So not just everybody's going to do it. Baby Christians won't do it. Uh, and, you know, to be honest, much of the church remains in kind of a, a babyhood stage all of their natural life, right? They never really grow up. They get saved, and, uh, and they may even attend church on occasion, uh, but they never really grow up. They never really embrace living like a Christian and, and changing to become more like the Lord every day. They, they got saved. They got a little better when they got saved. And that's pretty much it. They never really grow past that spiritually. Uh, and so that's not the kind of people that Paul is talking about here. These people apparently were leaders in the church. Uh, and they were many of these people. Uh, and uh, he said, whose end is his destruction. So we talked about that as being the sin unto death. Uh, whose God is their belly. We talked a little bit about that as far as um, when, he, when he says their belly, he's not talking about their physical, uh, their physical body. He's talking about their desires, right? Their, their hungers, right? Their, uh, when he talks about their belly, he talks about things that you desire to consume. Uh, and so whatever, whatever uh, desires they have, uh, he said those desires have become their God. And, and I remember uh, listening to a minister one time just, you know, not in church or anything, we're just talking. And they said, you know, if, if, uh, if you want to do something, you ought to be able to do it and not have to constrain yourself. And I thought it was really odd for, for a minister to say that, right? I mean, it'd be one thing for a Christian to say that, but a minister, I mean, because Paul said in 1 Corinthians nine twenty seven, I keep under my body. 
Well, what's, what's he keeping under? He's keeping under the desires of his body, right? The, the uh, voice of his body, you know, whatever, the, whatever his body's wanting to do. He keeps, it under, uh, he keeps it under subjection to his spirit. So if his body wants to do something, if it has a desire to do something that would conflict with the word of God or his spirit, either one, then he tells his body no. Uh, and, and it should be a, a normal, natural part of a Christian walk to t- tell your body no, to tell your body, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say that. Uh, you know, every person who's ever committed a sin has told their body yes. Uh, and so, uh, so these people here, he said that they've elevated their desires above God and that their desires now have become their God. Well, uh, how many people in the church are living that way? Just live however they want to, right? Just cuss whatever, whenever they want to cuss, you know, sleep with whatever they want to sleep with, you, uh, steal whatever they want to steal. Uh, you know, it, it's amazing uh, how many things are done in the name of the Lord. That's not the Lord, right? Uh, and I know just personally, I've had uh, many people come and tell me things. and said, the Spirit of God told me this about you. And it wasn't even a true fact. It wasn't even a, a correct thing that they said that I had done. Uh, and yet they said the Holy Ghost told them. Well, the Holy Ghost tell them the pizza they ate last night told them that, right? It, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't spiritual. It was, it was pepperoni uh, revelation. Uh, and so uh, what's that? Uh, yeah, bad pepperoni, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, it, it's unfortunate that especially in our circles, in the charismatic Pentecostal circles, that people drop the name of the Holy Ghost a lot more uh, in error, uh, then, you know, regular denominational people, you know, of course, they generally don't believe that God will speak to them supernaturally and lead them supernaturally like, like we do, which is why they don't do that. But it's unfortunate people do that. You know, uh, one of the Ten Commandments is don't take the name of the Lord in vain. That's really what you're doing when you say the Holy Ghost told me and he didn't tell you, right? And of course, he talked about uh, prophets in the Old Covenant. Uh, he said, they said, uh, thus saith the Lord when the Lord has not spoken. Uh, and so he's even talking about, you know, they, this has been going on a long time, right? And so people have been saying things. So uh, it is possible for, for all of us, even as Christians, to elevate things of this world above the Lord. Uh, and, and a lot of times we don't even recognize it, but when we say, I can't change, well, then we're saying that that's greater than God. Right? We say, I can't do that, even though you know you should do it. Uh, you know, I can't quit stealing, well, then, then stealing is now your God, right? Because the Bible says don't steal, so you have the capacity to not steal. But if you say you can't steal, then you're saying that that thing, whatever that desire is, is greater than God and has become your God. Uh, and so, and a lot of times we will elevate people above the Lord. Well, every time I get around them, you know, they make me mad. Uh, you know, and I, I was just thinking about this in dealing with people. You know, dealing with people is the greatest a measure of how spiritual you are, right? And so <laughs> if we didn't have uh, people or computers to deal with, life would be easy, right? Uh, I spent uh, about three hours a day trying to get our internet working, and it's still not working the way it's supposed to. Uh, and if I didn't have that three hours, you know, I wish I could get those three hours of my life back. Um, and so, uh, but a lot of times uh, we will elevate people above, above the Lord, you know, that I can't forgive them. So now they're your God, right? Because uh, they'll, they will stay in that position that, that um, um, the Lord, you, you won't do what the Lord wants you to do, which is to forgive them because this person has done whatever they've done. So now you've elevated them above the Lord. Uh, and, and really, you know, he says who God is their belly, 
your desire to not forgive them. And, and, you know, when people say, I have a hard time forgiving them, it's not really true. What you're really saying is, I just don't want to forgive them. And that's honest, right? And and at least you should be honest, amen? uh, It's still wrong, but, you know, lying about it uh, and being wrong is not quite as bad as telling the truth about it and being wrong. You know, you say, I can't forgive them, and that's not true. Uh, uh, and, and of course, you know, if you just don't know, you can't forgive them or you, or you should be able to forgive them. Maybe we'll cut you a little slack on that. But I think if uh, you go to church more than twice, uh, you know that you should forgive people. Uh, and so if, if you say, I can't forgive them, that's not really true. And so not only will you not forgive them, but what you're saying is not true. But if you say, uh, I, I don't want to forgive them, well, you're still wrong, but at least you're honest. And that, and that gives the Lord some, an area to work on. Amen. Because uh, if you say you can't, then the Lord's kind of stuck, right? Because he can't violate your will, uh, and he would have to violate your will to, to cause you to forgive somebody. And so uh, if you say, I don't want to, then he could say, well, let's work on your desire there. Let's work on that. <clears throat> uh, because, you know, the, the thing that we need to appreciate, and I don't, I don't think the church really appreciates this uh, uh, very much, you know, when Paul said, whose God is their belly, uh, and, you know, I was just talking to the Lord about this, just, in fact, just yesterday, about, Lord, you know, how, uh, you live on the inside of me. You're the greatest power of the universe, the same power that created everything I see, every star, every planet, every blade of grass lives on the inside of me. How far below that do I actually live? You know, when I say things like, I can't forgive him, how is that possibly true when the greatest power of the universe lives on the inside of me. I mean, just, he spoke everything into existence with a word. You know, he didn't craft it. He didn't manufacture it. He didn't have little assembly lines of protons, neutrons, electrons, and making things on the backside of that. He just said, let there be everything. And everything became. And that lives on the inside of me. It lives on the inside of you too. Uh, And for, for me to say, you know, I just really struggle with forgiving them, you know, and I know we all have struggles, I understand. But, um, you know, if you're having the same struggle for year after year after year, you know, really you've got to get back to it's just your desire, right? It's what you want to do. Uh, And and if you would recognize that the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you, and it's a a big thing, right? It's not just, well, he's there. Well, I know he's there, but do you recognize the power that's in in you? If you're born again, the, the almighty power of God lives on the inside of you. What can't you do? What do you not have the capacity to do? If the Lord tells you to do something, do you have the capacity to do, to do that? And what, well, well, except for that person over there. So the power of God is not able to cause you to overcome that person. Well, it is, right? Are we willing to yield to it, right? And what happens a lot of times, especially in dealing with people, we just don't want to, right? Somebody's just a jerk or somebody's really mean or somebody's unkind, and we just want to write them off, you know, and then we want to talk about them and, uh, and that comes to everybody, right? That, that uh, conflict comes to everybody. Uh, but if we would recognize that the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us, we would go into every situation a lot more uh, comfortable that I can overcome, a lot more aware that it doesn't matter what they say or do, I can overcome. And really, if we really are living in the fullness of the power of God, it, we wouldn't even really have to overcome because we've already overcome before we arrived. And so instead of, well, they said these things, now I have to figure out how to forgive them, we could get to a point where, remember we read in Psalm 119, 165, we'll never be offended. So we would get to a point where we could go into the situation, they could do whatever they do, and it would, we could walk out exactly the same as we walked in, you know, without having to forgive them. 
Because forgiveness is only necessary when somebody offends you, right? If they never offend you, what would you forgive them for? I mean, they haven't done anything to you, right? Um, and so it, it's, uh, uh, it, if we could recognize how, how, how low we live, you know, uh, compared to how high we could live, uh, it would encourage us to strive a little more, amen? And so it's not to, it's not to beat us up and tell us how terrible we are, that's humanity, right, man? Uh, how many in the church are living in that way? And, and I think there's a place even that, uh, I don't know if anybody's ever gotten to that place, but um, even folks like Brother Hagen, that there is a place that uh, I think maybe the church could get to that uh, is still available to us that we should strive to get there. Uh, and so he said, uh, we talked a lot about who's God is their belly. Uh, and we, we talked a little bit about um, Galatians chapter 5, and I think it'd be good just to go over there and just reiterate a couple things here. So let's go back to Galatians chapter 5. So, um, because uh, one of the questions, and we didn't quite answer it all the way that I wanted to um, last week, was uh, this question about if you commit a sin, just a, ge- just a generic sin, right? You, you got mad at your spouse and, and you, you know, because she burned the biscuits or whatever, uh, and you said something unkind, or you, know, you got mad at the kids, you got mad at your dog, you know, whatever. Um, and and um, you know, whatever the sin is, right? Uh, it, it, the, the specific sin is unimportant uh, because all sin is coming short of the glory of God, amen? So the only sin that really matters is the sin of the death, which is rejecting the Lord Jesus. Everything else kind of is, is in the same ballpark as far as I'm concerned. And so, uh, so whatever the sin is, does that send you to hell as a Christian, right? If you commit a sin, whatever the sin is, does that sin uh, send you to hell? Uh, and... Um, you know, if, if that's true, then uh, it's in violation of the principle of Hebrews chapter 6, which says that we crucify him again afresh, right? Uh, if, we get, if we're going to get born again a second time, then we, we would have to believe in his crucifixion a second time. Well, he only got crucified once. So it doesn't make any sense that as a Christian, uh, we commit a sin uh, and, uh, and then we need to get forgiven but a lot of people think that you don't, you don't just need to be forgiven, you need to be reborn again. Uh, but, but it just doesn't make any sense because 1 John 1, 9 says that if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins, to forgive us, right? And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, if you go through the, the born-again experience, you know, in the born-again experience, Romans 10, 9, and 10, right? Uh, we'll come back to Galatians chapter 5, go, go over in Romans 10, 9, and 10, it says, for with the heart, uh, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth on the righteous, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We know those verses. You know, we believe those verses to be true. And that's how you get born again. Where, did, where is forgiveness in these two verses? Where do you receive forgiveness in these two verses? Where have you confessed your sins? Does it say anything about confessing your sins? It says confess the Lord Jesus, but does it say confess your sins? Well, it doesn't because... How would you do that? If you got saved when you was 50 years old, it would take you 50 more years to confess all your sins, wouldn't it, right? I mean, you know, what'd you do on Tuesday night 14 years ago? I don't know. Well, you probably sinned, you know. Well, what if you forgot? Are you stuck now? I mean, you've, you, you got them all except for that one. Does that mean you're not going to make it to heaven? No, because all of that is under the blood uh, automatically by confessing the Lord Jesus. It's all wiped away uh, as, a, as a single act uh, when you get born again. 
Now, when you, when you confess Jesus as the Lord and, and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. So you're believing that the work of the cross is sufficient for you, but there's no, there's no recognition of the sins you committed prior to this. Now, we call it the sinner's prayer. You know, Lord, you know, I ask you to forgive me for all my sins, and everybody says that, but it, it's not necessary according to Romans 10, 9 and 10. Amen. Uh, and it doesn't hurt to do that, you know, in essence, but it's not really necessary because you can't remember all your sins. And 1 John 1, 9 is written to the church, not to the lost. If it's written to the church, then we do confess our sins as a Christian. We say, Lord, I did this thing. That's confessing your sins. I chose to do it. Nobody made me do it. I chose to do it as an act of my will. And I ask you to forgive me. And that's what, that's what confessing your sins is in 1 John 1, 9. Amen. It's not excusing your sin. Well, Lord, I had a hard day. Lord, I had a bad time. Lord, you don't know what they did to me. That's not confessing your sins. That's trying to excuse away your guilt. Amen. Um, and so as a Christian, uh, you know, we do confess our sins, which seems odd. The, the unbeliever does not have to confess their sins to get saved, but the Christian does have to confess their sins. Amen. But are they confessing their sins so they get saved a second time? Well, no, because it doesn't say in 1 John 1, 9, that if you confess your sins, that now you are a new creature. It says that to the, to the unbeliever, right, that we are new creatures in Christ. Uh, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, a, a born-again believer, when they confess their sins, they are cleansed from unrighteousness. They are not, clean, they, they are not changed from being, un, from being unrighteous. They are cleansed from that unrighteousness or that unrighteous act that you committed. So you committed an unrighteous act, which is what all sin is. is it, all sin is an unrighteous act. So you committed that. So that has to be cleansed from you, but it, but it doesn't change your spiritual position with the Lord. You're still born again because uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 4 both say that when you're born again, you're sealed by the Holy Ghost. Your spirit is sealed by the Holy Ghost. So your spirit is unaffected when you commit a sin because uh, Paul said, it's no longer I to do it, but sin that dwells in me, that is my flesh. So you sin in, in, the, in the flesh, in the natural realm. Uh, and it, of course, it does have, uh, it can have spiritual ramifications to that. Uh, and, and we do limit God's ability to bless us, to, to increase us, and to receive his blessings while we're in that sin, if we choose to remain in that sin. Uh, and so, uh, to me, these things are not that difficult. Uh, you know, and I think we've said this uh, plenty of times before. It seems to me like, the church doesn't want to have this kind of conversation and see what the word says because we're afraid that if I tell you that sin doesn't send you to hell, well, then you all are going to go sin. And, and to me, that, that says a couple of things. One is it thinks pretty lowly of you, right? You all really want to sin? Is that your goal? I mean, what's your, you know, you need to grow up. If that's your goal, you know, all of y'all need to grow up. Every one of y'all need to grow up. Uh, is that your goal as a Christian? I'm planning on sinning now that he's told me it's okay that I sin. Is that your plan? You know, surely it's not. Amen. Uh, and so, um, <clears throat> and I understand, you know, that, that uh, there, there's always going to be a group of people that if, think, if they think they can get away with it, they will. But see, every time you sin, you know, the Bible says sin and death always go together. You know, every time you sin, you get out on the devil's territory. And Paul said in Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. Well, that's the only way you give place to the devil is by, is by committing a sin. I mean, if, you're, if you never commit a sin, you would never give place or license to the devil. So uh, when you commit a sin, you give, you give license to the devil to operate in your life. Well, what's he going to do? He's going to do whatever he can get away with. If he can put sickness on you, he will. If he can put heartache on you, he will. If he can put depression on you, he will. Uh, but if you're not committing any sin, 
he really has no ability to do any of that stuff. Uh, and so, now he will tempt you. He will sometimes tempt us, you know, to do things, to get into our minds and to be depressed and things uh, without necessarily committing a sin. Uh, no doubt he can do some of those things as well. But when we sin, we, we give a license to the devil to come into our life. Well, if he can, he will kill you physically, right? He, he will end your life on this earth. But, you know, the grace and mercy of God will sustain us through most of that, right? Because the grace and mercy of God is sustaining the world. Because if the devil had his, had his, right, had his wishes uh, enacted right now, there would be no human being alive on the earth. You know, even the ones that are serving Satan, he hates all of them, right? Even those that have bowed their knee to Satan and are worshiping him right now, there are people who do that. He hates all of them, amen? Every one of them. Uh, and if he could, he would kill them all. He's, he's not trying to keep them alive. He's trying to kill all of humanity because every time he sees a human being, he sees the image and likeness of God. Uh, and he hates God. And so he hates humanity. So, you know, if we commit a sin, uh, the, and to me, it's not even a $64 question. It's like a, a 49 cent question. Are we going to lose our, do we lose our salvation when we commit a sin? And the answer has to be no. It just has to be no, because if that's true, I mean, if it's true that we, we, we lose our salvation when we commit a sin, then, then there's no recourse for us. There, you cannot crucify the Lord Jesus again. Uh, and so it has to be then that when we commit a sin, yes, that's an act of unrighteousness. Yes, we need to uh, confess that. Yes, we need to be forgiven of that. It's to our advantage to do that. If we don't, if we don't, uh, uh, if we don't deal with that sin, then that ha- leaves a door open for the devil to operate in our life. Paul said in Galatians uh, 2.22, I do not frustrate the grace of God. If he commits a sin, you're frustrating the grace of God, right? He's unable to uh, apply grace to your life to, to cause you to overcome and to give you the power to operate in this life. And if you're, if you're frustrating the grace of God, then you're living in the mercy of God. And we're thankful for the mercy of God. It keeps all of us alive way longer than we would normally uh, be kept alive, right? Because his mercy does endure forever, amen? It's new every morning. But I don't want to live in the mercy of God. If I live in the mercy of God, I'm not living in the blessings of God. Uh, And when you commit a sin, you're living in the mercies of God. And so what happens a lot of times with Christians is they live the majority of their life in the mercy of God as a Christian. Uh, They just kind of sin when they want to, and maybe every now and then they'll they'll, they'll, uh, repent. But I know people that, I mean, it would be like pulling all your teeth and, and breaking a kneecap to get people to repent. You know, some people, they just, no matter, I mean, they will die before they ever apologize or ever uh, confess a sin or ever acknowledge that they made a mistake. Some people, it's like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I mean, the first thing happened, you know, yeah, you're right. I, yeah, I was wrong. Some people, I didn't do it. You know, you started it. I mean, they'll fight you tooth and toenail to the end, to the bitter end, right? And, and take it to the grave. Uh, and I know people like that. I mean, just, just fight you <laughs> and just, you know, just, just repent. You know, who, well, they're, people are going to think bad about me. They probably think worse of you because you won't repent than, than if you admitted that you were wrong. Because everybody knows you're wrong anyway, right? It's not like it's, like it's going to be new information, right? Oh, I'm wrong. Really? Every, no, that's never going to happen. Everybody's going, yeah, I knew it. I mean, you, I knew you'd been wrong for 28 years, right? Uh, and so, uh, and the Lord does too, amen? And so, uh, it should be the easiest thing in the world to, to confess your sins. Amen? And now you don't have to confess it to everybody. You know, you do that as the Lord instructs you. Uh, but um, uh, one of our favorite uh, phrases from um, Lester Sumrall uh, was, uh, he said, it never ceases to amaze me that, the, and tell me if I get this right, it never ceases to amaze me 
at the lengths that people will go to avoid, uh, was it five seconds? Five minutes of soul-cleansing shame. <laughs> it's, just a good, it's just a good quote. It never sees amazing how, how far people will go to avoid five minutes of soul-cleansing shame. Is that what he said? Yeah. Yeah, uh, read, read the whole quote there. I'm often amazed at what some people will allow themselves and others to go through just to avoid five minutes of soul-cleansing shame. Yeah, what they will allow themselves and others to go through to avoid five minutes of soul-cleansing shame. Uh, and, and, you know, it's just a funny way of saying it, you know, but because, but, uh, um, you know, there, there is... There is, uh, in one aspect, there is a bit of shame of saying, yeah, I committed a, I committed a sin, right? Uh, and so, so some people, they will never admit to a sin, amen? Uh, and so if they don't, then they kind of have, you know, now, what happens to that sin when they die? Well, they just, uh, you know, when they get into glory, that, that flesh that committed a sin just stays on the earth, right? And they're separated from that, that body that committed that sin. Uh, and so... Uh, the Lord deals with it however he deals with it on, on the other side of that. There's no sin in the spirit realm, although it is possible, obviously, from, from what the devil did. Uh, that's going to be a whole other rabbit path. We're not going to get into that. Uh, and so, so, so the question remains then. What, to me, it's not, it doesn't remain. The question was, what happens in a Christian's life when they commit a sin? It is unrighteousness. It does uh, open the door to the devil to operate in your life. It is a, a, a frustration to the grace of God. But does it cause you to lose your salvation? And the, the answer has to be a resounding no. I mean, it just has to be. Now, and if that's true, uh, and if it's true that the sin of the death is rejecting the Lord Jesus specifically, then there is no specific sin that you can commit that would cause you to, to commit the sin of the death. So um, if, it's, if it's stealing... Would that cause you to commit the sin of the death? No, because that's not rejecting the Lord Jesus. Or then people say, well, yeah, but these sins over here, and they always list, usually it's, it's uh, homosexuality first, right? Uh, and then it's, it's uh, uh, well, a lot of the Pentecostal churches believe that divorce and remarriage is a second unpartable sin. Um, adultery is an unpartable sin, right? You're going to die and go to hell if you do that. Uh, and, and it just, well, why those sins? I mean, aren't, those are all sins, clearly, right? I mean, committing adultery is, is obviously a sin. Why would that send you to hell but not lying, right? Who's the father of lies? The devil. So if you want to look the most like the devil, well, what would you do the most? You would lie. I know a lot of Christians who lie. Don't you know a lot of Christians who lie? I mean, I, I know Christians who look you right in the eye and say, yeah, I'll do that. And they know, they know they're not going to do that, but they'll tell you they're going to do that. Well, that's a lie, right? Now, there's a lot of people who are not very faithful over their word. Yeah, I'll do that. And then the world stops, you know, and they, for whatever reason, always something happens. Well, that's just being, you know, unfaithful. That's different than, than yeah, I'll do that knowing I'm not going to do that. Well, that's, that's different. But I know a lot of Christians. I mean, just flat out lie, rewrite history. No, I didn't do that. I've got video. That wasn't me. It's you. It's got the same mole on your face that you've got in real life. That wasn't me. That was my, that was my doppelganger, right? That was my, my, my evil twin. Your evil twin's got the same scar that you got, right? And, and uh, so, I mean, it's just, uh, <clears throat> well, that's a lie, right? So, uh, now we can go back to, to uh, Galatians chapter 5, because we'll look at just a couple more things here. And, and I know we're, we're belaboring this a little bit, but the thing that we need to have is we need to have a sure confidence in our salvation. Because if you think every time you sin, you've lost your salvation, I mean, uh, that, that would be a tough place to be, amen? Amen. Uh, 
would you want to go back to the Lord if you lost your salvation, if, uh, if you sinned? Uh, and, and I mean, what's the recourse for the Christian that has committed a sin? And, and like I said, the Pentecostal church, it's always divorce and remarriage. What's the, what's the uh, I mean, if they get divorced and then they get remarried, well, that's the unpardonable sin, then, and they're stuck. And what do they do? Uh, and, and so, uh, of course, you know, we've talked enough about that around here that that's not really the unpardonable sin. And really, uh, if, if, if the person who got divorced, if it wasn't their cause and they get remarried, the, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it, it says that that's not a sin. Uh, and so it, it's, uh, I don't know where we, where we came up with that one in particular, but, but a lot of times they pick easy, easy targets like homosexuality. That's always a good one, right? Uh, and so, uh, so the, the question then, uh, we, I mean, we're already opening up a big can of worms. Let's open up one more big can of worms right here. What if you're a Christian and then uh, you are in a homosexual relationship? Could you make it to heaven? You know, from, from, I, I, don't, I don't know why you could not make it to heaven. Now, uh, does, is that an automatic they get to go to heaven? Well, not any more automatic than anybody else, right? Did they at one time confess Jesus as their Lord? Did they at one time uh, uh, believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? Uh, if that's true, if they sincerely did that, and I'm not their judge, right? I'm not their judge that they did it. I'm not their judge that they didn't do it. But if they did that, if they were sincere and did that, according to the word of God, they would have to be born again on the way to heaven. Well, what if they're in a homosexual relationship? I mean, is that the sin of the death? Are they rejecting Lord Jesus? I mean, I don't see how it is, right? Uh, And so uh, that may be a really unpopular uh, (laughs) unpopular position, but I've got to go with the word. You know, I I can't go with hypotheticals and, you know, what about this? What about that? If the word of God says this, then that's what the word of God says. Amen. Uh, And so we need to look at a couple of verses here of what people of why people say that. um, That you will lose your salvation. Right. So here in Galatians chapter five, uh, let's start at verse 19. We had mentioned these uh, uh, last week, but we didn't get through it all. It says now the works of the flesh. So uh, what realm do these sins occur in? The flesh, right? In your flesh, right? The, your flesh is the source of your sin, not your spirit. Your spirit, man, uh, is sealed by God. It cannot sin. It has no errors in it. It cannot sin. Uh, and so it says the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, stripes, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. And we all breathe this out. I'm not doing any of those, so I must be good, right? Well, this is not an all-inclusive list, right? There are other things you can do, right? Pride, is pride in this list? No, but pride's a, a, pride's a sin, right? Uh, and so this is not a, 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 uh, an exhaustive list of sins, but it is. But he says these are the works of the flesh. Uh, uh, and he says, and such like. So that covers everything else, right? Uh, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So that phrase right there, not inherit the kingdom of God, people say this is, uh, means that you lose your salvation if you commit the sin. You'll not inherit the kingdom of God. But, uh, you know, that's not the only verse that talks about the, the inheritance of God. Um, and uh, before we get to, to the next verse here, I want to read uh, verse 17 in a couple different, transla- in different couple translations here. The New American Standard uh, Version says, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. So he's, he's telling the, the Ephesians to, to walk no longer 
as the Gentiles walk. So what's he saying? He said, well, some of you are walking like the Gentiles are walking right now. He says, stop doing that. Isn't that what he's saying? No longer work, right? So you are walking this way, so don't walk this way any longer. That's what you would mean by, by saying don't walk this way any longer. He didn't say you stop walking like this when you got born again, the second you got born again. That's not what he's saying. He's saying some of you are walking this way. You need to stop walking this way. Walk no longer this way like, the, like they're walking. Because a lot of Christians, they get saved. They don't know. They don't know all the rules and regulations yet. They don't know that you're not supposed to do some things, and then they'll be doing them. Uh, and Paul is saying, look, uh, you know, we can't look like the world. And, you know, for a baby Christian, it's like, really? Okay, well, you know, am I supposed to do that? No, okay. Uh, well, why not? Well, you know, because it's a violation of the, of the plan and will of God. Okay, I mean, that's fine, right? Uh, would you beat up your, 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 um, your, your uh, two-year-old because they did something wrong? Yeah, you know, I remember the first time Anne-Marie scribbled on the, on the walls, you know, with crayon, just, you know, she's like Picasso. And it looked just almost exactly like Picasso, in fact, you know. And she was just, a, I don't know, three or four years old, maybe. Well, we had never told her not write on the walls. So we'd go beat her, we beat her, we submitted her, you know, to, to water torture and everything. No, we said, hey, this is paper, you can color this. This is a wall, you, you can't color that. And she's like, oh, okay. She didn't know, right? She's a baby. Uh, and uh, now, if I had done that at her age, it'd have been a near-death experience, right? I mean, everything in my in, growing up was 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 on the edge of a capital punishment, right? Every infraction you did, even if you didn't do it, you were close enough to the other ones who did it. It's still guilty by association. Uh, and so, and, and when they start calling your name, because we had eleven kids, the more times they got your name wrong, the madder they got, right? And so I'd be like, and, and finally they get the chip, but they're so mad by the time they get the chip. Uh, then, then, and, and look, and, and so you just got to duck, amen? You learn how to duck really well. So, um, so Paul is telling them, you've got to stop walking like the Gentiles walking. Well, are these sins? I mean, he just gave a whole list of these things, right? Uh, uh, well, I, that was in Galatians. I have misled all of you, right? We've got to go over to Ephesians 4.17. That's what we read there just a second ago in those two different translations. But let's go back over to all the way to Ephesians chapter 4 because uh, this gives us some more insight here. The question that I'm trying to answer here is, what's the deal with the inheritance, uh, the, uh, inheriting the kingdom of God? Amen? Uh, and so, uh, so Paul is saying here, uh, let's, re- let's start in verse, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. He said, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth or from now on, right, henceforth, walk not as other Gentiles walk. So I'm telling you, stop walking like the Gentiles are walking. Well, is that sin? Well, we, the Gentiles, what do they do? They sin, right? Because he said, in the vanity of their minds. Uh, and so stop walking like they're walking. Stop walking in the vanity of your mind. Stop, in says verse 18, having the understanding darkened. Stop being alienated from the life of God uh, through... Uh, the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So, uh, I mean, all of these things, uh, he's telling the Christians to stop being like this. So that means Christians can have blindness of heart. You ever seen a Christian who's blindness of heart? They just can't see how to do the right thing. Now, uh, th- their heart can see it, but they, uh, and the scripture talks about having your conscience seared. You know, your conscience is the voice of your spirit. And if it's seared, it still can hear from heaven, but it can't tell you what to do because you don't want to hear it, right? You've, you've, you've seared over it, so it's, uh, now you can, you can re- repent and get that back 
and have the heart of flesh like you're supposed to. But a lot of Christians get, uh, will continue to reject what their spirit man tells them to do, and that's called searing your conscience, uh, where you just, you know, all you can hear is the voice of your flesh, and, and you've lost the ability to easily hear the voice of your spirit man, uh, and that's a, that's a tough place to be. I don't believe this is the people that Paul is talking about here. I think what he's talking about here is people, he said, uh, through the ignorance that is in them. So the Ephesians didn't really know, really, we, you know, we, we're supposed to be different from the Gentiles. You know, that, that, you've got to learn that, right? It's not something you learn the minute you get born again. Uh, no doubt, all of us did things the, the second after we got born again that looked just like things we did before we got born again. Uh, and, and now you can change, uh, but, you know, it takes some time to grow up in these things, to learn, hey, you know, the Lord is not pleased with doing these certain things. Uh, he says, uh, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness or lack of restraint to work on all uncleanliness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. If so, be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Uh, and so, so, he, so he's telling the Christians to not walk like the Gentiles, to henceforth, right? From this point forward, stop walking like the Gentiles. So that means five seconds before they read that, they were doing what? Walking like the Gentiles, right? Uh, and so, um, now, you know, again, this gets into some, a little gray area too sometimes, but if you really don't know it's a sin to do a certain thing, if you just have never read the scripture or never, you know, the Spirit of God hadn't dealt with you but that particular thing, is this something that you need to repent of? Well, you know, I guess that's between you and the Lord, right? Uh, uh, my, my opinion in that, and based on just what I know in the Word of God, that it's not really a sin unless you know that it's a sin. Amen? Now, are you, uh, is it better off to stay ignorant uh, and, and to never grow up? Well, no, that would be foolish, right? Because if, if you want to wear diapers when you're 36 years old, nobody's concerned when a, when a four-month-old is wearing a diaper. Everybody's uneasy and nervous when they see a 36-year-old wearing a diaper, right? Uh, unless it's, you know, for other problems, Right? Uh, but uh, taking a bottle, sleeping in a crib, you know, uh, wearing a onesie, uh, that would make all of us uncomfortable if it was a 36-year-old male doing that, right? Nobody's concerned when a six-month-old is doing that, amen? So um, it's to all of our advantages to grow up because as we grow up, we, get, we obtain greater blessings from the Lord. Revelation, wisdom, insight, strength, knowledge, ability, amen? Uh, and we, we will settle it aside if, if we're not careful by remaining as children, uh, and so, uh, <clears throat> so, you know, Galatians 5, 21 says, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God, but we're here in Ephesians, let's turn over to chapter 1 here. <clears throat> and so he says here uh, in, um, uh, in verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So the forgiveness of our sins was because the blood was shed, Right? Uh, not because we confess them. Uh, The redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, uh, and it comes down to verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So in whom, back in verse 7, in whom we have redemption uh, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. So we obtain the redemption, right, because of his blood. His blood paid for our redemption. So we have that, 
And because we have that, then in verse 11, we have also uh, obtained an inheritance. So the inheritance, uh, it's, the, there's only one qualification for, for an inheritance to be given to you. And what's the qualification? You've got to be a relative, right? Were you a relative before you got born again? Well, no. When did you become a relative? Uh, when you get born again, you now become a child of God, right? You become a son, a son of God, a daughter of God. So the inheritance comes as a result of you becoming a member of the family. It's not the fact that you become a member. Of, that's not the inheritance. The inheritance is everything else that comes along with the salvation experience. Healing, prosperity, soundness of mind, joy, love, peace. All of those things are the blessings we obtain from heaven. Uh, the salvation experience is what causes us to become part of the family then to, be, then, then to become qualified to receive the inheritance. So uh, when it says you shall not inherit the kingdom of God, then it just means that your inheritance that belongs to you, that has your name on it, is now restrained. You know, it's like a trust. You know, a, a trust, uh, if, you, if you're young, uh, a lot of wealthy people will set up a trust so that you can obtain the trust when you meet certain qualifications, right? Uh, when you get to be a certain age or whatever, uh, it's still yours, but it, it's, uh, it's yours because it's got your name on it, but there's some strings attached that you have to, you know, have to perform a certain way. You know, sometimes it's well they, after they get married or after they finish school, whatever it is, uh, that's when they obtain the end of that inheritance. And for us, we obtained 100% of the inheritance the day we got born again, and all we can do is mess it up, right? So we started 100% the day we got born again, and as we sin and live in that sin, that inheritance is reduced it's still there. If we repent, it, we, we can get it back. That's the thing. Is It's just constrained from being delivered to us. It's not uh, removed from our account uh, because healing is for us all for all time. Amen. Uh, and so, so uh, you know, like I said, we kind of uh, belabored this a, a little bit, but the, the thing, uh, uh, in, in, when I read the scriptures, I always make a distinction between my born-again experience and my inheritance. They're two separate discussions. One is what I did to obtain salvation and become a member of, uh, of the family of God. And the second thing is everything I get because of that. Uh, and so, uh, and that inheritance then it are the things that get constrained uh, to me when I commit sin. Uh, and so healing is part of, of that inheritance, right? He called it the children's bread. So it's not what makes the child the child, it's, it's the, the blessing that belongs to the child. So healing is part of that inheritance. And if you commit a sin, well, then you've given place to the devil and you may end up sick because of sin, right? All sickness is not caused by sin, but some sickness is. Uh, and so, and the reason why that's, that sickness will come because of sin is because you, you constrain the Lord to give you that inheritance of divine health. Amen? Uh, and so... It's not God punishing you and beating you up when you commit a sin. It's he's unable to deliver the blessings to you because of your choices. Amen. So we've got to see it as not God punishing us because who chose to sin? We did, right? It's not, he didn't make us sin. We chose to sin. So he's unable to bless us while we're in that sin. And when we repent, then we can get back and get that unrighteousness cleansed out of our life. And now we're fully restored uh, in favor with God again in that sense. Does that make sense? I mean, in my, in my simple mind, it's all really clear, right? But uh, it's not always clear to, to Christians, especially uh, fighting mad Christians, right? 
it's hard to have this conversation with, with fighting mad Christians because, no, that's, you, if you commit that sin, you're going straight to hell. And then I, well, why is that sin? Because that's not what I'm doing. Oh, okay, well, that makes sense, right? Because uh, it's always sins they're not doing. Well, what about the sin you're doing right now, right? Didn't I, didn't I see you eat three donuts the other day? I mean, I think you're right on the edge of being a glutton if you eat three donuts. I mean, you know, two, you're okay, right? But three, I mean, you know, I don't know, unless they're the donut holes and we'll let you have three of them, but uh, I'm not your donut god or anything, so I don't really care. But uh, so, uh, uh, but I mean, Christians really would, a lot of the church would have a very difficult time in this whole conversation. And yet, when I read the word of God, this is how, this is the way it seems plain and clear to me because you have to look at the whole counsel of God, right? If you lose your salvation every time you sin, then how are you gonna how are you gonna uh, send Jesus back to the cross to accept him, his work on the cross? You can't do that, amen. Uh, and so, so I think we uh, belabored that enough. You know, if you got questions, let me know. Uh, I'll be glad to let Chris answer all those hard questions. And so, uh, but um, well, let's go back to Philippians chapter four then. Uh, and so, um, so hopefully, hopefully we we've, we've answered that enough. Amen. That your inheritance is obtained as part of your, uh, as a result of your. Cho- choice to become saved, right? As a result of the choice of you to be choosing to become part of uh, the household of faith, um, uh, and so uh, so back to Ephesians uh, or Philippians chapter three here, he said, "Whose end in verse nineteen, whose end is destruction, whose god is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame." You think about that. Whose glory is in their shame, uh, and. Um, that's such a, that's such a uh, you know, it's hard to even say those words, right? Because uh, the, especially we see this exactly today, right? That there's certain people, you know, just like they call it Pride Month, right? Whose glory is in their shame. I mean, that's the very definition of Pride Month, right? They named it after uh, the, probably the worst sin ever, which is pride, right? Uh, it, well, why they do that? Because their glory is in their shame. And of course, we saw it seemed like this month they really they really were uh, expressing their shame, right? They thought they thought it was glory, right? They were riding bicycles without any clothes on in all their glory. Well, in their sense, it was in all their glory, but it's shame, right? But in their mind, they're glorifying themselves. Look at me, how awesome I am, and and people of good character, it's shameful to even talk about it, much less look at it, much less participate in it. Amen. Uh, and yet, that's the world we live in. Uh, and uh, and uh, the prophets said, uh, talked about this, turned back to the book of Isaiah. And, you know, you read these verses and you think, this is, this is uh, 2023, right? Uh, what's today's date? This is January, July 19th, 2023. Uh, this is the, where we live right now. But this is what the prophet said in uh, Isaiah chapter 50. Let's start here in verse, uh, uh, well, or I said 50. Let's go to chapter 5, because there's not nearly enough verses in chapter 50 like there should be. Uh, Chapter 5, it says, starting at verse 20, woe. Anytime you see the word woe, that's exactly what you do, is woe. Uh, Pause for just a minute, take a deep breath, and then continue, Amen. Uh, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. This is uh, whose glory is their shame, right? 
what should be a shameful thing, they're calling it glory. Well, that's calling evil good. Uh, and all you people, you know, who go to church and try to do right, you know, you're the worst people ever. Uh, well, that's calling good evil. Uh, how much does the church receive flack? You know, we get banned from everything in the world by saying, you know what, that looks like a sin to me. You know, banned, you know, you're banned forever. You're banned forever. You know, you're banned forever because you just said, well, that looks like sin to me. And, you know, we used to be able to say well, that looks like sin, but now if you say that, you get, you get uh, drawn and quartered uh, and publicly humiliated. And of course, that only if you care, right? I mean, I don't care, right? If they ban me from it, I don't care. It's still true, right? Man, it's just shameful. You ride around naked, you know, it's shameful. Have you not ever looked in a mirror? Wow, I mean, it's shameful. Uh, but who call evil good and good evil. Woe unto them that do this. And he continues, who that put darkness for light. You know, they say all these things are wonderful. Sleeping with children is wonderful. Trans, trans, uh, transgendering children is wonderful. You know, talking about things that adults do in the bedroom to ch- little children is wonderful. That's, that's darkness for light and light for darkness. They, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. You know, you listen to these people talk uh, and they, they act like they're so much smarter than you. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes. They are not wise in their own eyes. Dumbest thing that I've ever heard. I remember one, one guy, I was listening to this, this one guy, he's super famous, you know, I won't even mention his name because he's not super famous in heaven. So, you know, he doesn't even deserve to be named, you know, but anyway, he's super famous, got his own TV show and all this, and, and he's talking about us, all of us deplorable people, like, you know, who live in this, they call it flyover country, right? Uh, there's nothing important down in Middle Tennessee or East Tennessee. Uh, and he's talking about how, you know, well, well, we live in New York. We live with, with wonderful places to eat and amazing places to shop. Uh, he said, uh, they're, not, they're not mad at us. They want to be us. And I thought, you have no idea how far away from the truth that that statement is. There's nothing in your life that I want to be like. Zero. I mean, just zero. If you knew how, you know, if you little how unimpressed regular people were with you, you know. But he said, woe to them that are wise in our own. You all want to be like me. No, we don't. There's nothing that, you know. I mean, I know some Christians who are, who are enamored and in awe of people's wealth and position in society. The vast majority of regular Christians are just like boring, you know, excuse me while I yawn at your fancy clothes and fancy, you know, now I like, nice clothes, I like nice places to eat, but I can eat a corn dog just, you know, just uh, like any other day of the week, right? You eat a corn dog? Yeah, have you ever had one? Right, they're pretty good, right? You gotta get enough mustard on them. Anybody like corn dogs, you know? And Chris is not a big fan of them, you know? <laughs> uh, and so, uh, but, um, but that's what they said. They wanna be us. It's like, wow. You know, when that person will stand before the Lord Jesus someday, uh, and, and right now, I'm pretty sure they're not born again. I hope they do get born again. But if they don't get born again, they will stand before the Lord Jesus and feel so small, uh, just completely in, as if they don't even exist. Amen. Of course, we will all feel that way in, in one regards, right? But we, are, we have received uh, the blessing of salvation. Uh, woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward. And take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Uh, and, and I want to read this in 
one other translation here because it, uh, it's a little bit less King James here. Uh, starting in verse 20, they say that, that, uh, they say that what is right is wrong and what is wrong is right. That black is white and white is black. Bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. And that's exactly where we live right now. It seems like all people get on TV and all oh, these things are wonderful. And we're all like, what are you talking about? Five seconds ago, that was the worst thing in the world. I mean, you know, 10 years ago, if you said to do, do, do any of these things with the children they want to do today, they would all be arrested and put away, never to be heard from again, shipped to, to the moon or Pluto or somewhere. We would have never put up with the stuff that we put up with today. Now it's like, it's okay when we read books that I wouldn't even read as an adult. Uh, we, we, they need to see that. That is evil, good, and good, evil, right? That is black and white. That is white and black. That is upside down and right side up. Uh, and, and it says, Woe to those who are wise and shrewd in their own eyes. Woe to those who are heroes when it comes to drinking and boast about the liquor they can hold. They take bribes to pervert justice and letting the wicked go free and putting innocent men in jail. What are we doing right now? This very, I mean, it seems like our entire political system right now is who's innocent to the gallows for you? Who's the worst guilty person in the world? Let's elevate them and, and promote them in, in office, in public, in public life. I mean, it seems like that's exactly what we're living at right now, especially in our current uh, political system. It's insanity, right? I mean, it, it's, but, you know, this is the prophet Isaiah from thousands of years ago prophesied that this is the time that we would live in. Uh, now, should we be despondent? Rejoice and look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Amen. We don't get despondent. We don't go, wow, it's just so hard. It's not hard. Uh, one of my favorite things is a minister we heard in Chattanooga. She said, uh, the Lord knew exactly what time of history to put you in. He put you in this time of history right now. And if he did that, he knew he would do that. You have the grace to deal with these things. Amen. It still makes your head spin. It's like, wow, I mean, you know, wouldn't it be nice to live some other time, right, uh, when it wasn't quite this way. But every generation has had things to deal with. It just seems like uh, we're living right in the midst of this, right? Whose glory is their shame? Now, Paul was talking about the church. How many people in the church are, are swapping out uh, glory for shame? You know, they do things in a church, you know, and have uh, homosexual churches and have, you know, just do things in a church that's just ungodly. Just, just terrible things and looking just like the world uh, and embracing the ideas of the world uh, and acting like it's no big deal, you know, wife swapping and all kinds of stuff. You know, even Dr. Dufresne dealt with some of that. The Lord had him call out uh, two couples in a church one time. Yeah, you, you all are wife swapping. <laughs> well, wouldn't that be a fun service to be in right there, right? <laughs> and and uh, uh, the, Lord, the Lord told uh, Jesse DePlanis one time to call out somebody that was doing similar things. Uh, and, uh, and he did, of course, it just ruined the whole service, right, in that sense, right? It, it probably saved their life. Hopefully they repented, right? Uh, and look, the Lord doesn't typically do that unless somebody is uh, unwilling to hear otherwise. And also, like the man of 1 Corinthians 5, they are doing it publicly, and it's, and it's causing a shame in the church, and the church won't deal with it. So, you know, the Lord would deal with it if he has to. He would prefer to deal with it behind closed doors when because it's easier to recover a, a, a Christian who's sinning behind closed doors than it is to publicly shame them. But if they're causing public uh, shame to the church, the Lord will deal with it, amen? So it's better to deal with things in your closet than it is for the Lord to deal with it publicly. But Jesse went back after service, told the Lord, don't you ever do that again. He told the Lord, don't you ever do that again. 
and the next services are probably several, the Lord didn't anoint him. Uh, and, you know, uh, if, if you've been around in ministry for a while and you're used to the Lord anointing you in the service, and you're, you know, the, the nice thing, uh, if ministers would learn how to flow with the Holy Spirit in their ministry, it's the easiest thing in the world to minister. I mean, you know, uh, how, long, how long have we been on one, on one verse? Well, we're just mostly just going with the flow here, right? We just, whatever the Lord's saying, we're just, you know, I'm, I mean, I've got my notes, but, you know, we're, we're, a lot of it is just what the Lord is saying. Uh, and it's really easy. It's really not that difficult to minister. But if he's not here, then I've got to read all this stuff here and do it verbatim. And you ever uh, been in a ministry where all they did was read, read notes, uh, and uh, and dry and boring and there's nothing there? Well, there's no anointing there. Well, so the Lord didn't show up. A few services, and, and so he went to the Lord. Lord, what's up? He said, you told me never to do that again. I was just obliging you. Uh, and uh, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. And, and then the Lord got after him and said, don't you ever say that to me again. You know, he was disrespectful to the Lord, commanding the Lord, don't ever do that again. Because it, 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 it kind of embarrassed him to have to do that, right? I mean, it would be tough to have to do that, right? Uh, especially, you know, if you didn't ask for the pastor's permission before that. Uh, it'd be a tough situation. And it would be a tough situation. But you can't rebuke the Lord because he did that to save them. You know, you got to see it, that everything the Lord does, he's motivated to save people to, because he loves them. And if, if just remember like the man in 1 Corinthians 5, Paul did that because he loved him, because he wanted him to arrive at heaven and not miss heaven by committing the sin unto death. Uh, and so, so Isaiah uh, chapter 5, uh, 20 through 23, I mean, that looks like we just uh, read today's newspaper, doesn't it? I mean, it sounds like we read... What, do they have newspapers anymore? Read like the, the internet, right? Uh, and so, uh, but that's the world we live in right now, where good is evil and evil is good and black is white and white is black. And, uh, and they, all, all, they all act like, what? It's a, this is totally normal. And, you know, the whole church is going, we have questions. Uh, that's the dumbest thing I have ever heard in my entire life, that you all saying these things and you all act like it's normal and it's as ungodly and evil as it could possibly be. And if you don't see that, you are so blind, blinded. And that's the way the, the society we live in right now. I mean, teachers, you know, principals, governors, mayors. I mean, it's, it's from the bottom to the top. It's not just at the top. It's from the, it's the whole thing is rotten to the core. Uh, and the church has to get on our knees and start praying all these evil people out of these positions. From the smallest position, you know, librarians, you know, promoting all kinds of homosexuality. Churches promoting all kinds of sinful acts and transgendering children and uh, you know, the only answer is for us to pray more. Amen. We don't pick it. We don't shoot people. We don't bury them. We pray them out. Uh, and, and the Lord will deal with it how he chooses. He can either pray, he'll get them out easy or he'll get them out hard, but he'll get them out. Amen. It depends on how hard they want to buck the system. But he'll not stand for it. If the church will pray and use our authority, he will remove them from these positions. Amen. Uh, and so... Uh, we can push all that sin. There's always going to be sin in the world, but let's push it somewhere else. Amen. We'll push it over to, the, to China, wherever. You know, we won't pick on any particular country because they all have a right to get out of it if they want to, but we'll push them somewhere else. Amen. Uh, they'll, they'll remain on the earth until the Lord Jesus comes back, but uh, they don't have to be here. Amen. Uh, and so this is the world we're living in right now. Paul said this, this came from the church whose glory is their shame. That started in the church. Amen. As long, when the church started allowing glory for shame and shame for glory, when the church started allowing that, it, it infiltrated the rest of the 
society. It didn't come from society into the church. It started in the church and worked its way out of the church. Uh, and, and that's really the issue. And so God will judge the, the church more harshly because we know better. Amen. We should not allow these things in the church. We, sh- we should not allow pedophiles to be in charge of children's church. And, you know, I mean, it just, it's ridiculous, right? I mean, these, these crazy things that, that have been going on in the church, right? I mean, the whole United Methodist Church is d- dissolving because they not only, you know, it's one thing, uh, the, the Southern Baptist Conference is having a hard time about allowing women in ministry. Okay, fine, you know, that, that's, you know, I can see it either way, you know, I think it's perfectly fine, but, you know, they don't want to do that, and, and, you know, that's okay, that's their right. But the Methodist Church is having an argument whether we should, we should ordain lesbians to be in the pulpit. Okay, now we've got a problem, right? And, and, and when regular people go, you know, that's kind of crazy. They're like, what? What? You know, I'm wise in my own eyes. We're just trying to be equal, right? We're just trying to give everybody an opportunity. Well, it's fine. Give everybody an opportunity to repent. Uh, and you don't have to shoot them and bury them in the backyard, but, you know, let them come to church if they want to come to church because that's where sinners would be a good place for sinners to go is to go to church. But you don't promote them and you don't elevate them and you, don't, you surely don't celebrate them. And we're not mad at anybody. Uh, and we're kind of mad at the leadership of the church that allows these things to go on because when the leadership allows it to go on, it, it, it infests the, the congregation. And the people in the congregation, well, maybe that's okay. And that's why thousands of, of people are, are thousands. Uh, I think last time I checked, there was like 6,000 6, uh, United Methodist churches are breaking away from the denomination. Well, there's only like 30,000 uh, churches, right? And my guess is it'll be several more thousand that will continue to leave. Well, why isn't there 29,000 congregations leaving the Methodist Church, right? It seems like they would all leave and just go start another. They've started another. Uh, it's no longer the United Methodist Church. The, the new one is the Global Methodist Church. Uh, and look, I don't care. I'm not trying to pick on the uh, Methodist Church, but it's that uh, whose glory is their shame starts in the church. And when we start elevating sin in the church, you know, then, then the world goes, oh, well, if you're doing that, we're going we're gonna to double up on it. And they do, right? They double and triple up on it. Uh, if you, uh, we'll do you one better, right? <laughs> and so they'll figure it out, amen? So this weird times we're living in, amen? Well, you have the grace to deal with it, amen? You don't have to be despondent. You don't have to be like, oh, woe is me. Uh, God puts you in this point of history for a reason. You have a valuable uh, part to play in pushing this darkness back. Uh, and we all do, amen? We have the authority to do it, but we have to, we have to uh, verbalize our authority, we will not stand for this darkness in our community. Amen. We have a right in this community to, to and it, it, we've been dealing with some of these things even in this community, right? Transgender uh, nonsense uh, in the schools and stuff. It, it's absurd. Amen. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, I get a little riled up about it because it harms the children. It harms the innocent. Amen. You, you want to be stupid in your own life? I don't care. Whatever. You know, go behind your closed doors, do stupid things. Fine. You know, none of my business. Uh, I mean, I do want you to be well. Uh, and I'll help you if I can, but leave the kids alone, amen? Uh, and, and so that statement right there will get you banned off of most uh, um, uh, social media platforms today, but, you know, do I care? I don't care, because the Lord Jesus loves me, amen? So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we thank you for your word, and, Father, we thank you that uh, as you warn us about these things, Father, that, we, that we'll, take, we'll take note of these things, Father. We'll, we'll never hook up with the world or hook up with the sin in the church, Father. We will... Stay true to your word. Stay true to your spirit. Father, we'll not condemn. We'll not uh, wish harm, Father. Uh, but we will pray these people out of these positions if they refuse to repent, Father, and to be replaced with people who love you. 
And so, Father, we thank you for these things. We give you the praise and the honor for the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I don't watch much of these things, and Jared, if you'll come ahead and get ready to receive the offering, but every now and then I see little clips of the, these people that are just uh, they're the most absurd uh, and vulgar and just despicable people, and they'll do something on, online, and they'll just act like this is perfectly normal. This is perfectly legitimate. Uh, and, uh, and, of course, they know they're lying, uh, and, and they do it mostly to stick their thumb in the, in the eyeball of the church. I mean, so I don't really care. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Uh, but they fall in this category, right? Whose glory is their shame? Uh, and they're thinking they're getting glory when it's just shameful. I mean, that's all it is. And so come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. And our response to the church is to not get angry in a sense of, of uh, picketing people or, or um, writing letters or, or uh, commenting on Internet things. Our responsibility is to pray. Amen. Get them out of the position uh, you know, if they want to be that way, as an adult, none of my business. Amen. Do whatever you want to, uh, but you don't have a right to be an influence in society. Amen. Uh, be an influence in your mother's basement, none of my business, right? Uh, and so, praise God. We'll pick this up next week. We'll continue there. Hopefully, uh, we haven't uh, got too many people upset about the big discussion at the beginning of the service. I don't think anybody here is upset, but uh, uh, we'll see how it goes, right? <laughs> so, all right. Be blessed. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you on Sunday.